You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast where we get together every week to discuss anything and everything fermented. We're your hosts, Brandon and Allison, and this week we have two special guests, Vanessa and Ala, and together they make Nesala kombucha, and uh, we're excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having having us. us. So you do kombucha commercially. How long have you been doing that? Uh, It'll be six years in May, so six years now, I guess, yeah. Hey, that's, that's exciting. So then what would you say makes sense? Since anyone listening to the show is probably going to know what kombucha is, what makes your kombucha either different or just kind of tell us about Nasala specifically? Well, (laughs) um, what makes us different? I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard to say because you don't know exactly how everybody does their kombucha. Everybody does it slightly different. We, we have so many similarities to other kombucha businesses that it's, you know, I don't know. What do, how do we stand out, Allah? Yeah, I don't know. I think we, we all have such sure. similar, yeah. we, have, we all have such similar business models and integrity guidelines, I guess, um, that we all sort of follow. Like we all try to use local or greedy ingredients and organic ingredients. And, you know, we're looking at, you know, bringing uh, local jobs to people and being as sustainable as possible. I think we all, all kombucha companies tend to have a lot of those same aspects to their business. So I don't know, we're different because we're Nasala. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did you guys even get into kombucha? That seems to be such a, um, I mean, you've been doing it for six years, you said, and six years ago, kombucha probably wasn't even really talked about much, um, even in the fermentation world. Yeah, I started brewing kombucha actually in California. I was living out in San Diego in Ocean Beach, and I was going to school at the self Heal School in San Diego, and my teacher, my herb teacher, uh, was a big kombucha brewer, drinker, and he introduced me to my first SCOBY, and I was I was very intrigued for, with it from the start, and I started brewing on my own, and I moved to Madison roughly 10 years ago, and brought my scobies and kombucha with me and like you said nobody knew what it was especially here in the midwest and the whole scoby thing really freaked people out a lot and you know so it's kind of one of those things i just did and didn't really talk about to too many people at the time Mm -hmm. did you were you brewing um your kombucha like in your kitchen and giving it to people or um how did the business start up well it started up because um vanessa was working at the co-op and we were just starting to hang out a lot and we were, we're both herbalists so we were teaching herbal classes and she started seeing GT Synergy coming through the checkout line at the co-op and she was like, well, what's this? So I got a SCOBY from somebody and I'm like, oh my God, it's so awesome. <laughs> um, and did a bunch of research because I'm like, there, there's got to be something wrong with this stuff. It makes me feel so incredible. I feel so incredible when I drink it. Um, what's wrong with it? You know, like what's, 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 what's not okay about this. Um, right. So, you know, I started doing research and I'm just like, you know, there's not really anything negative to be said about kombucha necessarily. I mean, there's the famous two people that quote unquote died from kombucha ever. Um, and that was it, you know, <laughs> like, so we just, I just started making it and, then Alla started making it again, and we started just collaborating and talking about it and figuring stuff out together. What do you say, like, uh, since you, to people like the the haters of kombucha, the people that are that think there are things wrong with it, or that are fearful of the the two deaths and, and anything else? Like, do you do you have anything that you say to them uh, to put them at ease, or do you just kind of ignore the the haters? You know, there's there's always going to be people that are skeptical or 
you know, they're gonna, the two people, and it's just like, it's not for everybody, that's fine, we get it, we don't try to, like, everybody has to drink kombucha, and you must drink it, because it's good for you, and um, we always just tell people, you know, listen to your body, see how you feel, if it makes you feel great, awesome, you know, if it doesn't work for you, go on to something else, there's so many other things out there that you could do for yourself and for your body, it doesn't always have to be kombucha. Mm-hmm. You know, people, there's a, you know, there's always going to be skeptics and, you know, people will even drink it and not really believe that it's doing anything for them. Even if they're feeling something, they'll attribute it to something else. So, you know, you never know. Do you find most people like the, like, do customers come, do, do they come more for the, the, any feeling they get or any response they get in their body or is it for the, uh, for the taste? I think it's both. I think it's definitely both. You know, people, we've definitely had people like come up to us and be like, oh my God, this helps me with such and such ailment or this has helped my father or this has helped my daughter. Um, and plus it's the best tasting kombucha we've ever had. You know, like we get that a lot. I mean, I know a lot of kombucha companies get that as well. We all have our, our loyal customers, but, um, we definitely hear that a lot. And we've had uh, a lot of fans like be like, no, seriously, we've tried every kombucha in, in, in the U S and we really like yours. And that's always really cool to hear. So there must be something different then about yours to set yours apart? I don't know. It's one of the things we do is we brew to order. I don't know if any other kombucha company does that. So our kombucha is really fresh. And we get pickups from even from distributors on a weekly basis. So it's, you know, it's moving through the shelves quickly. So it's not sitting around for a very long time. That might have something to do with it. Um, we use Rishi tea, which is a really high-end organic fair trade tea. You know, that might have something to do with it, the tea that we use. I mean, it could be the water, too. We use we use really, we use reverse osmosis water. Um, we also really, really strive to have a very nice balance. We want there to be a nice enough balance where it's it's still got that potent tart kombucha taste, yet it's still, like, sweet enough that it's enjoyable and goes down easy, you know? Definitely, and I, I think it. I think that's a great description of what how I would describe your kombucha as well. Oh, thanks. The the other aspect, I guess, that would maybe differentiate you from, say, you mentioned GTs mm-hmm. at first, you're regional. So why 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 regional? Is that a conscious choice, or um, are you expecting to expand to national? Or what what are your thoughts on those? Um, so far, it has been a conscious choice to be regional. We can never say never to anything, but it, you know, right now that's what we're doing, and we believe in keeping it where it's at for the time being. Um, I think basically our idea yeah. has always kind of been let's keep it regional until we can open separate uh, kitchens so that we can try and really provide local jobs and locally source all of our stuff because we do want to re remain as sustainable as possible and sort of like keep that integrity going. Um, and if we can do that, if we can figure out a way to do that in a, in a, in a, in a, on a grander scale, that'd be cool too. Yeah. It's hard because people are always asking us from other parts of the country, how can we get it? Can we buy it? Can why can't you send it over here? And, you know, I'd love to get it into as many hands as possible, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's something we're trying to figure out and, see how it's going to happen for us. You know, we, we want to do it consciously. We want to do it so that we're not just like burning up a bunch of fuel just to send our kombucha to somebody, you know, when there is local kombucha already available in those places. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it looks like you guys have some pretty interesting <laughs> flavors. How do you come up with um, the different flavors? Is this something that you you just have like inspiration? You're like, oh, that sounds like it would pair well. Or this is? Do you guys do a lot of um, kind of trial and error research and development to, to you know to make the peach blush or your lemongrass ginger? Um, no, it's we we're both herbalists, so we kind of have an idea of what, especially with our seasonal blends, you know, what's going to work well together just from, you know, working with herbs for as long as we have, we kind of, we know what's good for the season and we know what flavors are going to, you know, bring out the best in each other. Um, the other flavors are all literally, literally based on Rishi tea, tea blends that they make for us. Um, so they have, not the juniper rose. Yes. Not the juniper rose. The juniper rose was, a we, that was a collaboration of, of, of conscious effort between the two of us um, and uh, Death Store. Um, Death Store offered us, they're um, a local distillery, and they make uh, gin and vodka and whiskey. And they do this amazing gin that we really, really like. And they offered us up um, their spent juniper concoction that they used to make their whiskey. And we're like, hmm. Not their whiskey, their gin. I'm sorry. Yeah, the gin. Um and you know we're like, hmm, what would this? Might, this what, how can we? How can we use this? How can we try and you know? And so we're both kind of like, well, let's try the wild rose. Let's try, you know. So we wanted to use the wild rose, but we didn't want to do it by itself because we didn't want something too flowery. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, uh, you know, we spent a couple weeks, few yeah. weeks, sort of playing around with it, and then we got it, and it was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds good. I mean, I haven't, I, I don't really drink a lot of hard liquors, but I do like gin when I do have it. And I, I, that was one that popped out to me and thought, man, I've never really thought about comparing those two together and having kombucha added to it. So that's yeah. a, just, oh, man, it's the best. We do that a lot. That's actually <laughs> our, our latest thing is we've been really getting into the cocktail scene and we have a amazing mixologist that works for us, Jeanette Dainty. And oh my god, she's the best. She's been Sorry. coming up with some really, <laughs> really amazing cocktails and she we've been doing a lot of uh parties and you know, trying to get the the good for you cocktail out there, you know. Now do you is that something that you kind of push the customer towards as well, like mixing these at home, or is that just something out when you're out at uh these events that you host well, or are part of? We live in Wisconsin, so people are just naturally drinking all the time anyway. Um, so, sure. <laughs> um, you know, it's just the, the bars are prevalent and people spend a lot of money in bars and um, <clears throat> spend a lot of time uh, engaging in alcoholic activities. And so, you know, this is just a way to sort of participate in that as well. Um, but we have discovered that, like, when you drink kombucha with your alcohol um your cognitive levels don't get as impaired as they would if you were using other mixers at least that's what we've discovered in our own bodies personally we personally discovered this and we do we do teach people to make these cocktails at home there's definitely some that are a little bit more complicated that Jeanette does at the you know at the parties that we do um, but there are definitely a lot, you know, a lot that are just very basic that anybody could do at home. I mean, just as simple as just adding kombucha to your vodka and ha- just mixing it and that's it is is a great alternative to like putting, I don't know, 
high fructose corn syrup soda in there or something. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, and you mentioned, um, you know, teaching these kind of things. Do you, you also do workshops for kombucha, correct? Yes, we do. We haven't done one in a while, but yes. <laughs> for the one that we did with you, Brandon, at the Good Food Festival. Yes, Good Food Festival, kombucha and fermented soda. Yeah, that, that was fun. Which was, you know, honestly, the first time we even met too. So that was it's funny. Yep. We're both in the same area, doing similar things, sort oh. of. But yeah, uh, took getting to Chicago to to, right. to connect. <laughs> so, but but in in regard to these workshops, do you find? I mean, it, it's your product. I mean, kombucha is what you're selling, but then you're also showing other people how to make it. Uh, it do you find that that eats into business at all? Does it keep people more excited and, and devoted to your product? Or where where's the line with that? I think so. I mean, people ask us that a lot. And when we first started, you know, our original plan is really just to educate people on, you know, things that are good for you and for your body and to make educated choices on what you're going to be putting in your body and how it's going to affect you. So we're really about, you know, empowering people to take back their health and take back that power of, you know, knowing what you're doing and what you're putting into your body. And I don't think teaching people how to do something really takes away from anything that we're doing, you know. If anything, yeah. if anything it, it creates more talk and more discussion and more conversation about kombucha and fermented products. And, you know, there definitely have been times where where I think we found this past year that, you know, we sold a heck of a lot of kits because uh, we just started selling those commercially um, within the last year. And I think it did. I think it did have a slight impact, but it's not like it was really long lasting because if you think about it, the more people that are actually making it, the more people have knowledge about it and the more people are going to be talking about it. There's going to be more discussion about it because people are going to have it in their homes and people are going to be like, what the hell is that? You know? And then, you know, when you're out and about, if you don't have one of your own and you bought one of our kits and you see our product on the shelf, hopefully that's the product you're going to grab. And it's just like, you know, anybody can make their own cup of coffee at home or their own you know, juice, they can juice a juice and, but they'll still go out and buy one at a coffee shop if, if they want to, or if they're out and about. So, I don't know. Well, I, I, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's definitely, I think the more open and more discussion that can be had around any of these kind of things, the better, the more people are oh, aware really? of it. Um, and jumping back to the, the alcohol talk, but in a different way with, uh, were you affected at all with the, the, I guess, alcohol debacle scare thing with it being removed from the shelves a few years ago? Everybody was. <laughs> what what did that look like for you as a business in kombucha at that point? Well, in the very beginning, it was kind of, it was like, it was insane. It was like, oh my God, where, what, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Um, it was scary. It was very scary. Um, it was also like, it was very frustrating too, because I mean, just having your your own experience with kombucha, most people will find, you know, I mean, it's not, there are trace trace amounts of alcohol in all fermented things, basically. Um, it's frustrating because you we, like, would know that in order to get drunk off of a kombucha, no matter whose it is, unless you're actually trying to make it a high-alcohol kombucha, you'd have to drink so much kombucha for it to have that effect on you that it was just... Well, I guess 
let's step back even a step further for anyone that may not be familiar with uh, what what happened. And was this like, what, 2011? It was, uh, yeah, it was 11 or 2010. I'm not even sure okay. which one it was. Um, and it was in it, June. I remember that. <laughs> Essa was out of town and um, it's just coming back. Yeah. Ouch. And it, <laughs> it's a, it wasn't even it wasn't even a recall. It was a conscious choice by um, UNFI, which is a big distributor to pull. GT's Synergy Kombucha because it tested above the 0.5. So even if it was like 0.6 or 0.7, um, they felt like they had to pull it off the shelves. And so and then the, the co-op that we were that they pulled it from um, uh, originally also pulled all the sauerkraut and everything else like locally fermented. Oh. Yeah, they pulled, they, I mean, went a step further because they were just trying to cover their butts, basically. But, um, I mean, in the end, the, nobody else ended up pulling it from anywhere else except for the co-op and Whole Foods. So then it was kind of just blown out of proportion or just like a, a, a media thing? Because I guess I just remember it, like, I didn't pay much attention to it back it then. It was but- a big media thing, and I think a lot of it, I mean... It's been a few years now, but some of it got blown up in the media because of the whole Lindsay Lohan drinking kombucha and then testing positive for her alcohol test. And so people started talking about that whole, you know, ridiculousness. And um, I remember at the time joking about it, thinking it was funny. And then like a week later, all of a sudden they're like yanking kombucha off the shelves. I was like, oh, my God, like this is for real. This is actually happening. And then we actually did get a letter from the TTB um, uh, requiring us to send in samples of our kombucha. Um, and and our kombucha did come back a little bit over. And so we had to reformulate, which so that took some time to do. And we reformulated. And then when we tried to contact the TTB back, they're like, hey, we reformulated. Where do we, you know, should we send you samples? They're like, ah, uh, no. So, so it's like, wait, wait, sure, what? As long as you're sure. Like, okay, thanks. Oh, so they still want, they, they, they were happy that you had reformulated, but they just yeah. didn't actually care to. Well, I think the end goal, the end goal for the TTB was to get any kombucha that was testing over the limit to then have to comply with the TTB's rules and regulations towards they wanted to you know qual, uh, call it classify it as beer so then you had to fill out this contract in this form that was like you know two inches thick and like a hundred you know whatever pages long uh, and comply uh, to their standards of a beer operation and, you and know, pay all the fees and taxes and whatnot mm-hmm. sure yeah that would that would definitely change your business model I'm sure yeah, mm-hmm. and it was kind of scary because we were like, "What are we gonna do? <laughs> like, do we become the? Do we become a beer? We're not a beer. This is kombucha. I don't right. It's, it's a whole different ballgame making kombucha and non yeah alcoholic so- products, and then all of a sudden you're in that world of you know alcoholic beverages where they have so many more rules and regulations. And mm-hmm. some companies did that. Some companies did become the you know the kombucha. Beer. Some actually make beer, but some actually, you know, sell it as an over twenty-one product. Twenty-one. Yeah, you have to be over twenty-one to buy it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
do you know for uh, in general speak in the industry? I mean, does, is, is that working? Is that a model that's worked for people? For some people it's working. Um, for others, it really, it's really hard. Cause what we've, what I've understood from some people is that, you know, now that they're considered a beer or whatnot, you know, there's only certain distributors you can work with these distributors. And once you sign in with a distributor, you can't work with another distributor. There's like you said, there's all these different rules and regulations and crossing state lines. Every state has its own rules and regulations. And it really has affected a lot of these companies that they haven't been able to, you know, keep going like they, like they envisioned it to be. Well, this makes me think too, like what if, uh, stepping back even further to beginning when you started your business, was it, uh, like either health department or, uh, any kind of, um, business licenses that you were trying to get? I mean, was it difficult to explain what you were trying to do six years ago Yeah. or, or did you have any resistance or was it difficult? We it was, a, you know, we had to go through the department of ag and then, um, they really wanted to know the process uh, of kombucha and how we did it and made sure that we were doing it cleanly and everything. So we basically, because <clears throat> I, I uh, you know, all, all of the jobs that I'd ever have had were working in restaurants and, um, you know, places that served food. So I knew all the clean practices and I knew what needed to be done and how it needed to be done in certain ways and the cleanliness and blah, blah, blah. Um, so be really <clears throat> Out though the scoby i remember at one point they were like touching it with their fingers like no no, no. <laughs> and we had right. to, um, we had to get approval of our method from the head of the food and safety at the U- uw here in madison and once the, the head of the department of agriculture got his okay on our methodology then it was smooth sailing but the whole thing process took about i don't know nine months to a year you know yeah, because yeah, yeah and just problem solving all of that stuff and learning how to actually create a business and get your license and get the name and logo and all the stuff. It takes time, definitely. Yeah. And nobody else was doing it at that time, especially in the Midwest. And we were one of the first companies in the country, besides uh, GTs and High Country, to start a kombucha company. And so there wasn't a lot of people we could call and be like, "Hey, how do you do this? How did you work with that?" You know. So is it is it that way now? Do you get are you getting the new people in different regions that want to start their kombucha businesses coming to you begging you for all the answers? Yeah, we have been for a while, and at first we were very like, "Well, we did it all ourselves. So <laughs> you sure. figure it out," you know. But it's hard. It's hard to part with that information, especially when you work so hard to to do it and figure it out and problem solve it all on your own, and then you have somebody that comes and they're like, "Hey, tell me everything for free." Right. You well, know, and it's and hard like, too because because ah. <laughs> every state is different in how food is regulated, and I mean there is a national, you know, the FDA and USDA regulates food processing, but it also goes down to the state level too. So I mean, right. you may not be able to, you may not be the best person for advice when it comes to like someone who wants to start a kombucha company in Nevada versus you know yeah. Wisconsin. So. Well, the funny thing was, was a lot of these people that would come to us had never really brewed kombucha. And so we'd be like, uh, maybe you should start brewing for a while and then see how it goes for you, you know? 
that would probably help. Yeah, you know, I, I brewed kombucha a couple times, and my friends thought it was awesome. I think I should start a business now. <laughs> okay. Well, that brings up a really good question. Is and um, is there any sort of difference in production of kombucha uh, commercially versus at home besides the scale? Not really. Not. I mean, I mean not really. Things that There's you look that... in the way and. You have to kind of troubleshoot, but yeah, I mean, it's basically the same recipe. It's just, yeah, it's just amplified. I mean, obviously, you're going to be using different containers and different uh, cooling and cleaning methods. You just have to be a little more stringent on things. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's just, yeah, it's just uh, SCOBY times whatever volume you're at. <laughs> what do you do with all your uh, spent SCOBYs or older SCOBYs? We swim in them. <laughs> you have a really cool picture on your website of you holding or someone holding up a scoby. Oh yeah, that was so you, so that you was do Eddie. lots of photography with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's hard to get the that was a really pretty one. They're not always pretty like that. Um, so we tend not to take pictures of the not pretty ones, <laughs> just because we don't want people to look at it and go, "Oh my god, no." Um, so, but, you know, we, we live in that society where they don't want to see the, the dirty, yucky side of it. <laughs> but it looks so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, we definitely have a lot of SCOBYs and we, you know, we compost a lot of them where we have uh, horticulturists come in and take them for her gardens and stuff like that. We also, for a while, we're sending our retired mamas to Dave, California to Davis, to this gal, Sasha Lauren, that um, basically did a runway show um, of kombucha couture for the Sacramento Fashion Week back in February, and she used some of our scobies in that. Now, is, do you know, is that a different, I am drawing a blank on the names, is that someone different than the person in Europe that's doing yes. similar things? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'll and to- her, she does... She does a lot of dyeing with hers. So I think the lady in Europe, it's all very, a lot more natural looking as far as the colors go. And Sasha's is like colors of the rainbow. It's pretty amazing. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try and put a, a, a link in the show notes too, so yeah. that other people can yeah. check that out. Because yeah. Oh, also, incredible. if you, what was that? I just said what she came up with was incredible. When we actually saw it, it blew our minds. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool stuff. It sounded like you had something else to say or add? Um, just that uh, the other person who gets the majority of our of our waste stream is uh, Sue Hessel. And she has um, started a new cooperative CSA this year. And um, her, her business is called the Darn Farm. So D-A-R-N Farm. And uh, she has a... Uh, uh, locally on the north side of Madison, she has a homestead. Uh, so she has a really big yard that she's totally permacultured and it's really, really cool and really amazing. Um, so I want to just make sure that people hear about her as well. Well, okay. So there's, there's someone else doing a darn farm and then you, that just makes me think of your, uh, the, the booch and bitch stuff. What's, what's this? On your website too? <laughs> that was our, uh, our talk show. And is it so it's no longer a talk show? No, it, we just haven't done an episode in a while. We've been really busy concentrating on other things uh, over the winter. 
So I believe the last one we did was last summer with Hannah Crum. But it's yeah, just yeah. it's just a way, you know, just to have some fun and to talk about things that we feel are important and to drink cocktails with kombucha. Yeah. yeah. Which we might we might end up um we might end up changing over to a podcast just because it's a it's a much simpler format to work with, you know, you don't have to get dressed up, you don't have to <laughs> You don't have to put as much energy into it. You can just do it and, you know, uh, the editing is a lot more minimal. Do a podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So then this, the, the, these old, uh, older episodes of Booch and Bitch, and then if you do any in the future, any podcast or whatnot, it sounds like it's your, your drinking kombucha, but it's not necessarily anything about kombucha. Is that correct? Would that be safe to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really just like talk show, like you're like, uh, I, I guess I don't watch any t- uh, talk show television, but like, you're like whatever the quintessential talk show hosts would be. Right. So it would be, it would probably be, uh, you know, just subject matter, uh, from people that we know in the, in the Madison community, um, you know, sort of local celebrities talking about what they do, what their either local product is or, you know. Maybe somebody's working on a project that they want to promote and we can, you know, talk about that just like, you know, many talk shows do. Awesome. Well, going back to um, you earlier, you had mentioned something about brew, you know, a lot of people brewing kombucha at home. Um, Do you guys do any sort of fermentations besides making kombucha at home? Do you dabble in in the food side of fermentation I like doing sauerkraut, but I grew up doing sauerkraut, but if and uh, I've been fermenting vegetables with our kombucha, so that's been kind of fun. Um, I think, Vanessa, you've done some wine. Recently. Yeah, I just did wine <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> um, I, I tasted some the other day, and it wasn't too bad. Um, it's not quite good, but it's not too bad. Um, <laughs> I, I have been successful at kimchi. Uh, I can I can attest to that one, um, and I failed at least ten times with sauerkraut. I cannot seem to make sauerkraut for it to save my life. What goes wrong with it? I uh, just terrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> it just tastes bad, or in- it just it never. It's always soggy. It you know it it I don't know. It just never works. I've tried it in so many different like you know different recipes, different. I mean, I went so far as to have a crock and stomp it with my feet and do the whole nine yards. Well, there's um, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the problem, but no, that was, that was like the fifth attempt, you know, that was me just trying to like do it old school and it still didn't work. So I'm just, it's not my, not my forte. So are you sure you're not just being hard on yourself? I mean, with... No, with... Sure. she's sure. Oh. oh. No, it's awful. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Okay. I didn't know if maybe it was just because, you know, Ala, you've been doing it your whole life, so... No, I mean... no. <laughs> okay. Well, then sauerkraut's not the thing, but... Uh... Kimchi's awesome, though. Her kimchi's awesome. <laughs> well, hey, at least you got some vegetables. Right. And so uh, go back to this, uh, this kombucha use, use fermenting for, uh, vegetables. Are you just adding the vegetables to kombucha instead of a salt brine or are yeah. you doing salt brine too? Yeah, no, I'm just adding it to the kombucha, uh, to the, to the point where it's vinegar. So I let it ferment till it 
you know, we have kombucha vinegars because we have some stuff that just goes and we let it, you know, ferment over 30 days and then I'll add some of that. I'll definitely still put some salt in it, but I will add just uh, some kombucha vinegar to it as well and let it do its thing. Do you leave it for very long or does it, is it like short, like kind of a quick pickle kind of thing? Um, I leave probably, you know, outside of the refrigerator, I leave it for maybe four or five days and then I'll just put it in the fridge and it lasts a really long time. And, you know, it just gets better with age awesome. or, or stronger. But yeah, it's good. I like it. Well, I'm good at turning my kombucha to vinegar, so I'll be sure to give that one a try. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> And if, especially if you can do different um, kombucha vinegar flavors, like we've done aronia and grape. And we did a, the last one I did was we did a beet kombucha and we let that part of that go beet to ginger. vinegar. Yeah, beet ginger. And we let that go to vinegar. And then I used some of that to ferment the vegetables. And it was amazing. Now this, I'm just, I'm stuck on this beet ginger thing. That sounds great too. Do you, do you, did you sell that as an uh, actual kombucha drink? No, that's just for personal. We like to do personal stuff, and we have um, a CSA that we get every year from Harmony Valley, and um, they had a lot of extra beets, and they she's like, well, if I give you these beets, will you make some beet kombucha? And we're like, well, yeah, totally. So we, you know, we made kombucha, and then we added the beet and ginger juice to it, and um, it was pretty amazing. Does it get a little thicker, like from all the the sugars and the the beets? I'm trying um, to imagine no, it. it. sounds it wasn't too. It wasn't too bad because we do what we do is we make. So if we're gonna do an infusion like that, um, like with fresh fruit or something like that, we make the kombucha first. So we do, you know, your normal fermentation with a plain kombucha, and then we siphon that off from the scoby and the starter. And then we put it in a separate container and then we smash up or juice or, you know, sort of pulverize whatever it is that we want to infuse into the kombucha. And we let that infuse for a couple days and then we strain it off of that yeah. and pour it into and bottles. And what pulp. often happens is the pulp will make like this pulp yeah. weird fruit scoby. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that and that just comes off the top, so you're left with pretty clear, not clear, but you know, pretty pulp-free kombucha. Okay. Yeah. I've got some experimentation to do in that. Definitely more volatile still, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Well, is that is the making vinegar something that you guys are thinking of um, doing and adding to your? you know, product line and selling to people? Or is is this just kind of like a side hobby that you... Well, we, we do it locally to... We sell a lot of vinegar to local chefs mm-hmm. in town that use it, you know, in their, in their kitchens for salad dressings or brines or, you know... Marinades. Marinades, reductions, whatnot. Um, we've talked about doing that, and maybe we will at some point um, come out with a vinegar line. It's another thing to do, I suppose. Yeah, it's just a whole other aspect of like selling and marketing and yeah, and all the other stuff. So we've definitely thought about different ideas. Um, implementing those ideas is somewhat difficult uh, when you've already got something going on. 
sure. And well, what does your uh, your normal day or weeks or months look like? I mean, how much of your time is spent in production versus the just the business side of things? Are you pretty hands on still? Are you or are you? Do, have uh, we do all of our own brewing still, yeah. and we taste every single batch. Um, we do have a crew of four people that work in the brewery doing all and the bottling. And they're awesome, and we love them, and they kick they're amazing. serious ass. They're, yeah, they're they're like our <coughs> blood, you know. They're pretty amazing. So, yeah, um, and that leaves Vanessa and I to take care of the business side, except for, you know, the brewing. And uh, with with the brewing, because it, I think I'll, I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes for – the uh, the recent remodel you did, or relatively recently, um, and it shows some great images of you working. I mean, is that is is that what you're doing when you're making things? I mean, you're yeah. you've got this little is that machine new? That yeah, machine. I mean, we had that for we, we, years. Yeah, and we're actually, in fact, going to be doing a Kickstarter to get a full bottling line. Um, we'll be doing that in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be releasing our our. Our Kickstarter, um, so we can look for that. <coughs> yeah, we'll we'll be sure to mention that too. And uh, send me the link to that when it's up yeah, because we'll we'll definitely mention that. Um, sure. And so then, so like right now, it looks like I guess that machine that if anyone hasn't watched the video, uh, pause That's and go watch bottler. it. What's that? It's our bottler. It's a forehead like semi-automatic um, bottler. So you're, you're, you, but you still seem like you're, you're, you're in there. Like it's, yeah. it's still a manual process. Oh yeah. That's, yes. that's, that's what makes it the semi-automatic. Cause you still have to put each bottle up there and push it up and pull it off and then hand it off to the next person that puts a cap on it and locks the cap onto place that goes to the next person that's got to put the shrink seal on it with their heat gun and then passes it off to the next person that's got to put the UPC and the best by date and all of that before it gets packed up into the boxes. So it's definitely still, you know, pretty manual t- operation. So you, you have this handmade product. Will it change when you go to the, uh, like switching to the Kickstarter machine or process? No, no, no. it'll just be, you know, you won't, you, <laughs> you don't have somebody like hand spinning the bottle to heat gun it on, you know, or the, you know, the seal on, but you'll still, I mean, the product's not changing. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then I guess you said there, like, you know, you have all kinds of ideas. I mean, is there anything new or different that may or may not be coming out? Any, anything or, or your newest products lately or flavors that are coming up? Anything? You know, we're always talking about new flavors, and I'm sure we'll have another new flavor coming out um, sometime this year. We generally put one out a year. Um, and we are working on some other things that we're we're not really talking about quite yet because they haven't really solidified. And uh, we're Got not some very, very yeah. interesting things in the works, but we cannot uh, divulge any secret information at this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. Get people excited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no hints on what the summer seasonal kombucha will be. That's top secret. I'm, I'm taking it. Oh, well, the summer seasonal, we've actually, people, you know, um, people, I think we just have to start coming out with new herbal flavors because people really like our seasonals and they're turning into that, those sort of like seasonal uh, beer flavors that people wait around for, you know, like Maybach or Oberon mm-hmm. or you know, 
Um, so we're coming back out with the lavender mint again for the for the summer. People really seem to enjoy that one a lot. That sounds good. That yeah. sounds delicious. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> makes me sad that I'm so far away that I can't go and get some. Oh no! Well, we should send you some. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll find you. We'll find some way to get you some. Some. Yeah, some. we'll definitely send you some. Uh, because, like other people have been saying, it's it's great kombucha. <laughs> so I mean, it, it it may just blow out of the water anything in San Diego. You never know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think that there's many local kombucha there, specialization kombucha? breweries here. There's, is you know, Anne's the kombucha that's still there. I'm sorry, what is Anne's kombucha still there in San Diego? Um, I haven't seen it um on the shelves for a few years. So if okay. if it is, um, it might not be in the stores I'm I'm looking at, but. That was the only one I saw when I was there a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, we we usually just get the um just the standard national um kombuchas and that sort of thing. So as far as I know of, there's not anything local, so maybe you guys can branch out your business out here. Yeah. Get get some get some local out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I guess for those that uh, may be outside of the the region where you're selling, uh, they can still find information, I'm sure, for you. Um, but then also for the people that, that are within this region, like where should people go? Not, I, mean, I guess locally, I mean, or in this region, where what kind of shops should people go to for the kombucha? And then also where should people go online to find you? Um, well, online, we're at nasala.com or on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, sold mostly, well, locally we are, you know, in just about every grocery store in Madison, um, outside of Madison, a lot of co-ops and uh, natural food stores, I guess. Your Um, best bet is to go to nisala.com slash, uh, backslash find us. Um, there's a Google map and you can click on any of the little taggy thingies. And we also have an extensive list. It's gotten to the point where... We've got quite a few little places going on. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say. <laughs> That's we're good. Picking That's... Up, we're, we're picking up new places every day. Um, we just got into, which is really exciting, we just got into the Comedy Club on State Street um, in downtown Madison. We got into the Majestic and also to the Orpheum. So you're so it's not just uh, retail sales. I mean, you're really in the the restaurant bar scene too. Yeah, right. Awesome. Well, uh, Well, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. Uh, do you have any parting, parting kombucha words or additions or anything? Stay tuned for our Kickstarter, and, and we would be very grateful if you would help support our next uh, adventure, our next endeavor. Sweet. We'll definitely follow up with that uh, and, and talk about it when that comes out. So, And you can find the show notes for this episode at firmup.com slash podcast slash 63. And then you can find uh, us on Twitter at firmup, Facebook at firmup, or anywhere else at firmup. And until next time, firm up.